Welcome to Cast and Wax. My name is Jordan D. White, and um, this is the official podcast of Waxwork.com. This is an exciting show. We do radio serials that we did had recorded in the past few years, as well as new bits, uh, new updates, historical bits, comedy bits, uh, fun, fun, fun stuff all around. First of all, I just want to apologize because I am a little bit sick. You can probably hear it in my throat, my voice. I sound a little bit different than usual. Uh, it's because I'm sick. I've got a, a pretty wicked cold. Started off as a sore throat a couple days ago, and now and then you know, my throat doesn't hurt anymore, but now I'm like coughing and sniffling. So if I do cough during the thing, I'm sorry. I'll try to cut it out, uh, edit it out if I can. But I sound, you can tell I sound a little different, so I'm sick. Sorry about that. Let me introduce my other uh, co-hosts. For example, Mr. Frank Allen. Hello. Yeah. I actually, I'm sick as well. My voice, uh, too, you probably hear, is a little bit rough. <coughs> Pardon me. Um, no, I'm, I'm also sick. I've got a cold. It was, you know, you saying that, it was, it was kind of eerie, because it's like an exact duplicate of my symptoms. I, I, I had a sore throat now. Yeah, same thing. Same thing. Really? That's really weird. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you knew before we started recording. No, I know. I, yeah, I know. I knew. You know, it, the, the audience wasn't privy to our conversation before, so I was, like, kind of enacting it again. You're playing You're playing dumb. You're acting things out. You're lying to the audience. No, I'm not lying to the audience. I'm just, like I said, they didn't, you know, they if we have a discussion beforehand, they don't know about it. So, you know, why, why go in and be like, oh, yeah, we've already talked about all that. You know, it's just... It's a talking podcast. That's what we to- we do. We talk about things. So that's the point. Yeah, but it's boring. It's talking about being sick. All right. Well, let's move on. I'll introduce my other host, Roy Sinjin. I already know you also have a cold. So as as we've already discussed. Yes, uh, that is actually correct. I also do have a cold. Uh, it is it's very unfortunate. It uh, it does it it actually gets in the way of my work um, because I I do make my living through talking to people, uh, giving my historical readings. Fortunately, um, because I've been doing so well recently, I I, I am able to take days off and, and say, well, you know, I'll have to get back to you on that. We can do another reading maybe next week, but this week I'm taking off. So I've been just kind of resting and relaxing for the last few days, uh, taking some time for myself to try to heal. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. Did you do that too, Frank? Me? Uh, no, no, I, I can't afford to. No, I can't afford to take time off. So you just, you still been working at the store? Well, yeah, I mean, they don't, you know, I, I got to keep working, but they, you know, they don't want people to know that someone is sick, uh, you know, working with their food. So they tend to, you know, put me in the back. While I'm sick, otherwise, you know, you know, they don't want me checking people's stuff out and you know, sniffling and you know, so they put me in the back, you know, wrapping stuff and stuff like that, wrapping food. No, I mean, well, no, good, good. Uh, and my final host is uh, Mr. Scape White, who is my cat. Hello, uh, I'm sick too. You can hear my voice is pretty rough right now. I'm very sick. Oh, Scapey. What do you have? Oh, I don't know medicine. I have to ask my doctor. Your doctor? Wait, are we going to take you to the vet? You want to go to the vet? No, no, not to the vet. My doctor. Isn't the vet is your doctor? Who's your doctor then? Doctor, Doctor Sass. Sass. Okay. Um. 
Again, we're referring to conversations that we didn't have on the air. For those of you who aren't me and don't live with my cat and talk to him all the time, uh, Scape insists that, first of all, he insists he can get out of our house whenever he wants, even though he tries to run out the door when we open it and we never let him and then he whines. He insists still that he can get out whenever he wants and goes out frequently and meets with Sasquatch, who, he also insists, is a doctor and checks him out and tells him he's okay which is why we don't have to take him to the vet. Absolutely, Dad. Uh, Sasquatch got a, a medical degree, and he is a doctor, so he checks me out, and he's like, you're doing very well, Scapey. You're very healthy. I mean, he wouldn't say that right now because I'm sick, but I'm going to go I'll, I'll go out later, and I'll see him, and I'll ask him what I've got. You probably just have a cold. I mean, we all have colds. It doesn't. It stands to reason that you probably also have a cold. Oh, it's possible. I, I mean, I suppose anything's possible. But do do cats and people have the same sicknesses usually? No, no, they don't. That's very insightful of you. I didn't even really think about that. But well, here, here's the thing. I gotta say, it is a little weird that all of us are sick at the same time. Well, it's not. It's not that weird, really. Well, no. I mean, I guess it isn't. It isn't that weird because, of course, there is one thing <laughs> that would explain it entirely. Oh God, not this again! Don't. Don't even start with this. Well, I'm just saying it would it would explain the fact that all of us have a cold at the exact same time. Like, what are the odds of that? What are the you know, Jordan? Why do you insist on this stupid joke? This is not a funny joke. It is a funny joke, but I mean, it isn't a funny joke because it's not a joke. So yeah, okay. What I'm referring to again? I mean, wow, this is like the refer to everything that's not on the podcast day. Here, here's what I'm referring to. Actually, you know what? Let's play the clip. We've talked about it so many times. In various places. Let's let's actually play it. Oh, why are we going to play this? No, this is stupid. I'm, I'm going to play it. Uh, Jordan, do we have to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here we go. Here we go. This is from uh, when we finished our, se- our radio serials up in Binghamton. We played a marathon of all the episodes of Guard Duty and then ending with the, the final episode of Debatatorium, which was recorded specially for the occasion. And then this happened. Uh, this is from Live on the Air. More so here you go. On the show, you learn something about superheroes and uh, <laughs> you learn something about what it's like to make the show uh, and learn something about... I don't know. You learn something about yourself. Well, but now here's one more thing to learn uh, right before we go off the air. Just a minute now, as I said. Um, in Debatatorium, you heard uh, Frank Allen, the host of the show, and other times you've heard uh, probably This Day in History with Rory Sinjin. And I'm going to now make the startling confession that the entire time um, I, Jordan D. White, was playing Frank Allen and Rory Sinjin. I was doing their voice. I was doing a voice. Those are characters that I was playing, and they aren't actually real at all. Hang hang on a second, Jordan. Now, Jordan, why would you? Now, why would you go and try to say uh, that? Because Frank, (laughs) why are you trying to start Um, a hoax saying that I'm not real? Just because? Well, because no, no. I know that you're saying. You know, you're leaving and I'm leaving and Rory's leaving all at the same time, but it's a coincidence. There's no reason to do this this hoax that we're all the same person. Well, no, we are the I same person. I, I do I do beg to differ on that one. That's actually not actually true. Well, Rory, did you ever notice how we sound awfully similar? You and I do sound similar. Yes, yes, that's not a problem. Frank doesn't sound anything like us. Yeah, I don't sound anything like like the two of you. Well, he sounds a little bit like us because he, he is me. I mean, that's the same guy. No, no, it's not. And I don't appreciate you trying to spread these disparaging rumors. I'm going off to try to get a real job uh, as a as a host in a more prominent location. And this, this kind of thing is going to bog me down. I don't know why you'd want to say that about me. <sighs> Fine. Fine. Frank Allen and Roy Sinjin and Jordan D. White are not the same person. All right? Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Um. I guess this is one time when Rory and I agree. Yes, that's very strange, isn't it? Good, good. Maybe why don't you guys go make up? This is my ending show. Oh, 
well, fine. If that's the way you want to be about it, I'll just go back to the <sighs> All right. Um, well, that's it. And that would be the end of Welcome to the Waxwork. Um, so, so, as you could hear from that, if we're all the same person, that would explain very well why if one of us was sick, if I got sick, for example, that all of you... No, Jordan, no, I, all you stop you would be sick. No, no, look... There's a much simpler explanation. Simpler than the true fact that we're all the same person. No, sim- no, it's not. It's not the. It's not the truth. It's simpler because this is more true. It's observable that we're not the same person. Clearly, we're not the same person. We're we're both talking. I work at the Brooklyn Institute. Frank works at a supermarket. You work at Marvel Comics. The cat doesn't work at all. How c- we're not the same person. We're in different places. Okay, but you know, but I'm just saying, if we were all the same person, that would explain why we're all sick. There's, like I said, there's a simpler explanation. We're all sick because we spend a lot of time together. We probably all got sick last weekend when we were recording, and we probably one of us gave the sickness to the others, and now we're all sick together. Yeah, you see, it it doesn't have to be that we're the same person. It just is that we're we we interact, and therefore we're you know we're all sick. It it makes perfect sense. Yeah, I, I don't. I'm not you. Well, no, I don't mean youscape. I mean Frank and Rory. Oh, oh, so it's just us that aren't real. He's he's real. He's a cat, and he's talking, and he's real. Yeah, I'm real. Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, he he could, you know, it makes sense for him to be sick when I'm sick because we live in the same house. It's like all the germs are up close and personal with one another. Yeah, but he's a cat, as we just discussed. Cat. Why would he? I mean, it doesn't even make sense that he would get sick when we're sick because cat germs are different than human germs. Not all the time. There are certain diseases, I think, that you know. Transfer? Yeah, what are the odds of that? Okay, so you're trying to prove that he's the same person as us. No, I'm, I'm not trying to prove... Rory, can you... No, he's not trying to prove that he is the same person. He's just... I don't know why he's arguing about that. It doesn't make sense. He's a fool. The point is, you and I and him are different people. I don't understand why this is so hard to get to... Look, it, it's just a thing... Okay, I'm sorry. I'm just messing around. You're, yeah, you're messing You're messing us around. Jordan, it, we, we are respectable people, and we have businesses to maintain. There are people who, as you know... People have listened and heard me on this and then have hired me. I don't want people not to, to attempt to hire me. They might be like, oh, uh, this this person is very good. Uh, uh, should I hire them? Oh, wait, they're all the same person. Oh, it's just a joke. So I won't hire that person now. Is that what you're trying to do? No, that's not. That's not what I'm doing. Yeah, and same for me. If they're listening and saying, well, I want that host, then they're going to call you and go, oh, can you be the host? Because you're Frank Allen. And, and you're not. I'm Frank Allen. No, I, well, I'm not looking to host anything other than this. I mean, I like I, I like hosting this. Yeah, but I am. So... I'm saying, why are you, why are you pooping on my prospects? Pooping on them. Okay. <laughs> it's not, look, it's not funny. The point is, I don't like it. Don't, you know, there's no reason to disparage me. Well, I mean, there's no reason to pretend you're him. You could disparage him, but you don't, you don't want to associate. Oh, thank you. No, Rory, you can't even. <coughs> you're right? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sick. Uh, we all are, yes. I'm, no, I was saying, you're, you, you can't even, you can't even be on the same side as me without insulting me. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to hurt your feelings so much. Well, I think you did, so thanks. Dad, uh, can I go take a nap? I'm not feeling well. I've got I've got a sick. Yeah, escape. You know, you can go take a nap if you want. I'll call you later if we need you for anything. Okay. Good night. It's not night time. Whatever. All right, well, um, we do have a whole bunch of shows. We've got three different shows coming up tonight. We've got Guard Duty, we've got Tractor Fiction, and we've got Like Mother. This first one we're going to do is Guard Duty. This is an episode that features Peas Blossom and Broadband. Over the last two episodes, we have seen the beginning of Series 2 of Guard Duty. We were introduced to Captain Fantasy. We were introduced to Binary Girl. We got to know Voodoo Lady a little bit better than we usually did. And we heard a little bit about this thing called The Password, which is a magazine that talks about uh, superheroes, kind of a a rumor mag about superheroes. And they were insinuating some things about Peas Blossom, who is a member of the Earth Guard. They were insinuating that she was 
homosexual, if you know what I'm saying. Nudge, nudge. She's she's actually a fairy. She's from the the world of the fairies. She's in exile, and uh, but they're saying she's also gay. Or they were they were saying things that strongly suggested it without actually coming out and saying Peace Blossom is gay. Point is, this is an episode with Peace Blossom and Broadband. Broadband, you'll remember, is billionaire Robert Stanton operating a robot by remote control. Let's see what kind of friction this causes. The Earth Guard. The planet's most powerful heroes united in the common goal of protecting the innocent people of planet Earth and defending them from threats of all kinds. From the Guard Tower, their base of operations, they watch over the citizens and spring into action at any sign of danger. That end, the guard takes shifts monitoring events all over the globe. Sooner or later, they all have to take a shift of guard duty. This week, Broadband and Peas Blossom in Tender Situation. stare at me that way. I feel your eyes boring into my skin. It makes me feel so very self-conscious. Uh, the unit doesn't have eyes to say, so it really isn't staring at you. Perhaps you would then be so kind as to avert its gaze away from my person? Oh, yes, sure. Uh, although really it doesn't matter what direction the unit is facing. I can see all around it. 360 degrees. I just pointed at people out of habit. They're usually more comfortable with it facing them when they talk. Well, I for one am not. As you well know, I cannot stand to even be around your awful metal form. I would just leave, would not that that would let the Earth Guard down. I'm sorry, Peace Blossom. I know how uncomfortable you get around the unit. But I've tried to tell you it hasn't been made out of iron since I was dial-up. It matters not. Synthetic beings are corruptions of the natural way of life. Normally, we do everything we can to keep you comfortable, but the Jack's sister has pneumonia. He needed someone to cover for him, and I was the only one available. I'm sure Binary Girl would have joined me. That is, I rather think she would have helped. Uh, she can be in two places at one time, even if she has other things to do. Binary Girl was on the last shift. We wanted to give her some time off. Besides, if she split herself in two and only half of her was here on duty... What good would that do? I mean, that's her only power. If the other half of her was tied up elsewhere, she would have no powers. She'd just be... A human? Yes, I do suppose that's true. Well, I didn't mean it like that, but without her power, she's just an ordinary girl. Are not the Jack and Stallion merely men with no abilities beyond their skills? Well, yes, but it's not the same thing. Jack and Chuck have both spent years honing those skills, whereas Binary Girl has always had her powers to fall back on. If I could split myself in two, I probably would never have developed the technology to become broadband. No matter how long I remain on Earth, it never ceases to surprise me how a man can make himself believe that he is so enlightened yet remains so blind. What are you talking about? 
You're always leaning towards protecting girls ever since Fall was killed because of you. That wasn't my fault. I did what I had to do. The serpent virus was... It matters not, Broadband. That's not the point. For ever since, you've treated ladies like they were more delicate somehow than men. And why, I ask, should they be treated so? Wouldst thou treat Ocean Man differently due to the complexion of his skin? Or wouldst thou judge me as less fit to fight merely because, unlike you, I'm a fairy? Peace Blossom, no. I don't... I don't listen to these rumors. I don't give them any credence at all. I'll be honest with you, I wasn't even going to bring it up. I was just going to let it alone, not dignify it with our time. But, in a way, I'm glad that you broke the subject so I can say that I stand behind you 100%. The password hasn't been kind to either Rodband or Robert Stanton in the past. They've printed some awful allegations about me under the same guise of reporting the claims of anonymous sources. They can print anything they want, and if they worded right, you can't touch them, legally speaking. Anyway, even if it were true, I would not judge you. I wouldn't think of you any differently. You're one of the most powerful members of the Earth God, and no lifestyle choices you make are ever going to change that fact. If I were going up against Suspiria, there is still none. I'd rather have it my back than you. I really don't see what... What... I really... You... You weren't talking about the password article, were you? Ah. Well. That's embarrassing. Um, uh, perhaps we should just, uh, brain frame. Yes, broadband. How about we bring up the sound on, uh, monitor four, please? Yes, broadband. crabs had overrun downtown Baltimore by the thousands, some as large as 20 feet tall. It is unclear how the mollusk managed to grow the creatures to such a large size, but it is certain that he was in control of the beast during the attack. Thousands of people were trapped in the buildings downtown, but fortunately, injuries were kept to a minimum by the prompt response of the Earth Guard. Dana DeSago reports. A damp layer of seawater still coats most of the surfaces here in downtown Baltimore, left behind by a plague of crabs that overran the city yesterday, some as tall as buildings. Residents here were shocked yesterday afternoon as waves of the creatures scuttled through the streets. Uh, we were just walking down West Pratt by the convention center, and all of a sudden this sheet of brown is covering everything down the road. Cars, signs, the road, the sidewalk, everything. Before I could even tell what it was, they were all over me, pushing me down to the ground. If Captain Fantasy hadn't dreamed up a little cloud car to sail me away, I don't think I could have gotten out. Many witnesses have confirmed the official Earth God statement saying that the mollusk was behind the attack on the city. Mollusk, you'll remember, was behind a series of invasion attempts last year, leading sea creatures against the surface world. He was missing and presumed dead since last August until he attacked New York Harbor earlier this week with a fleet of giant squid. Representatives inside the mayor's office have confirmed that despite the Earth God stopping the attack, the mollusk was not apprehended. Are these two attacks merely the precursor for a new wave of invasion attempts? No one can know at this time, but the Department of Superhuman Affairs has raised the threat level to yellow until more is known. Frank? Thank you, Dana. Although no lives were lost, there was some structural damage done to the buildings in downtown Baltimore area. One affected building was the headquarters of the tabloid magazine, The Password, who have delayed this week's publication as an apparent result. Publisher Ron Riley the made this statement earlier today when he Yes, broadband. I, uh, I'm sorry about that. I didn't know they'd be bringing on that jackass Riley. 
You see, you're doing it again, and yet you cannot recognize your own actions. I am not a child, Broadband. I can handle hearing the voice of one who's done me wrong. Did you think I would just break down and cry? I can assure you, I am made of sterner stuff than that. Titania's bodice man! I've lived ten lifetimes. Now you think I'll faint when lowly mortals' papers call me names? I may be woman, yet I'm tougher still than mortal minds like yours can ever know. I'm sorry, please. I didn't... Touch not my person, wretched metal man. Hey there, ladies and gentlemen. Fear not. The Jack has arrived. Jack? I thought your sister... Yeah, I got her into the doctor, got her all the anti-beasts she'll need, and now she's sleeping like a baby. So, how are my favorite billionaire and my favorite fairy? Jack, you really shouldn't call me a billionaire. It's only my net worth. I don't have that sort of money and liquid assets. Anyway, shouldn't... You stay with her even if she is asleep. My brother Terry's home from work. He's taking care of her. I didn't want to make you lose any more time over at Stanton Industries than you had to. Well, of course, you still are at Stanton even when you're on guard duty, aren't you? So, I suppose I could have... Oh, you're absolutely right, Jack. I should be heading back uh, so I can devote all of my attention to my work. Uh, besides, as you know, Peace Blossom here is a fan of my unit. My... My, my broadband unit. Fandom has not to do with it, no, I... No, no, not to worry. I'll be taking the unit back to Stanton Enterprises now, not to worry. I worry not, I'm... A... Any time you need me, Jack, just let me know. I'll do whatever I can. Uh, thanks. I owe you one. Don't mention it. So, what crawled up his underoos? He is uncomfortable with the way he protects and coddles women on the team. Does he? I never noticed. Besides, do you even count as woman? I mean, you're not exactly human. Although, duh, other creatures do have sexes too. I mean, if you weren't a woman, how could you be gay? <laughs> so, who's the lucky mystery girl? What? You... you are gay, right? I mean, I always figured you... And then this article... <laughs> I hardly see how my sex life could ever be any of your business, young man. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. <laughs> you got me there. <laughs> Wanna play Scrabble? Duty by Jordan D. White, with Michael D. Mikowski as the narrator, Derek McNish as Broadband, Angela Tymon as Peas Blossom, Jordan D. White as the Jack, Lyd Nelson as Dana Dezago, Anna Call as the Witness, and Frank Allen as the Newscaster. With theme song by Michael D. Mikowski. Welcome back from Guard Duty. I hope everybody dug that. I got to you got to hear me with a, a better voice there, being the Jack back before I was sick, like years before I was sick. I mean, I guess I was probably sick before that as well, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, you're talking pretty stupid right now. Thanks, Frank. Thanks. Yeah, because um, you know why? It's, it's interesting you say that because I mean, it's weird. You've been on the show so long and you've never said anything stupid. All right. Well, you don't. Have to look. I was just just going with the flow. Excellent. I hope you guys liked that episode. That was a fun one. A little bit more rumors. A little bit more stuff like that. Frank, you got to be in that one, weren't you? You were in that as uh, as as the newscaster. Yeah, uh, I do like to play. Like I said, I used to I used to want to be a newscaster. 
Um, journalism does really interest me. It is one of my strong interests. I'd rather be a, a pundit, kind of a host type thing, uh, interviewer, commentator, things like that. But but journalism is something I, I I do still have an interest in and stuff like that. So good. And so it was nice to play one fictionally, pretend to be one. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was a little bit like living the dream. Oh, excellent, living the dream by by reading a script. You know, fake total fake news is a lot like real news, except um, it's not true at all, and you don't have to do any work. You just read it off a piece of paper. Oh, yeah, you know, because, for example, extra history is a lot more like real history, where you're just uh, talking nonsense out of your butt instead of actually, uh, you know, reading books about history. Oh, I've read books about history. Oh, really? Yes, but how do you think I know the historical facts to deviate from in the days in history? I don't know. You look them up on the Internet. Well, the Internet is internet's like a book. I mean, sometimes I do look up things on the Internet. But it's like a book. Books and Internets, are, they both have words. You read them. Yeah, but you can't take the Internet with you. In, a, in, a, in your pocket. Really? So, I mean, with a cellular phone, I have this very nice phone. It, it, it does access the internet, so I can. Okay, yeah, well, all right. Speaking of extra history, <coughs> you right? Yeah, I'm okay. Speaking of extra history, uh, it's time to do This Day in History with Rory Sinjin. Take it away. Absolutely. This was recorded back before I was sick, as you can tell from my pristine voice. Hello, my name is Rory Sinjin on WHRW Binghamton. This is This Day in History. On June 9th, 1934, Donald Duck makes his first film appearance in The Wise Little Hen, a short by Walt Disney. Donald's popularity also led to other characters in the Duck family, including Daisy Duck, Uncle Scrooge, and nephews Huey, Dewey, and Louie. Hey, Walt, have you noticed this new cartoon you put on? He's got no teeth. You know, well, that's a very interesting point that you make stagehand. Yeah. I couldn't help but notice that we're in the middle of recording right now. What's it matter you're in the middle of recording? You can edit it out in post. See, the difference is between you having a job and you not having a job. Ah, I see your point. I hail to thee and leave. Excuse me, guys. I'm supposed to do the voice of Donald. Oh my God, your breath is horrible. I know my whole time my face is swollen. I can barely. Do you talk. ever get your teeth looked at? Uh, no, I've never been to the dentist. Oh my God, where's that guy that was in here? He can comment on this, undoubtedly. Ha! Huh. Told you so. Every dog has its day. Ha ha ha. You should have regular dental checkups so you don't lose your teeth and so that your breath smells nice for the cartoon audiences. Well, thank you, wise but overly talkative janitor. Anytime, president of the company. I'm going to go to the dentist and get my teeth cleaned. Well, why don't you take this aspiring voice actor with him and come with me, aspiring. We can come back and see what he sounds like after his teeth are cleaned. Two weeks later. He removed my lower jaw. Uh, that may seem like a mixed message because uh, he went to the dentist and was hurt by having his jaw removed. But really, it was only because he didn't go to the dentist for so long before. If he had seen the dentist regularly, as you should do, he would have not had so many problems with his teeth. And Donald Duck would have sounded like a normal person. This is This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. But wait, let me take a bite out of this problem. My name is Rory Sinjin, and this is Where Are They Now in History on Cast and Wax. You just heard the story in which the actor who plays Donald Duck didn't go to the dentist and never got checked out and had his lower jaw removed. But I can tell you about a world where he didn't. Yes, in another world, he went to the dentist regularly, and he was absolutely fine. And in that world, Donald Duck kind of sounded like this. Hello, I'm Donald Duck. I think that I'm superior to Mickey Mouse. And in fact, I am. I think I'm the one who should have a club, and not that mouse who is not as deserving of a club as I am. You're probably wondering why he sounds like me. Well, that's because in that world, I was the guy who went to the dentist. 
scientist. It's a very complicated world. Lots of things have changed. The point is, in that other world, it sounded like it was a good thing for him because he got his lower jaw removed and then he became the voice of Donald Duck and became a celebrity and all that. But what I didn't tell you was that uh, after that, he was driven mad by the painkillers that he constantly took to deal with the fact that he had had all these parts of his body removed, got insanely enraged, killed all of the Walt Disney Corporation, and then there was no Donald Duck, in fact. Uh, they had only a Donald Duck cartoon for about five minutes and then they turned it off when, you know, the entire company died and all that. So it, it, it go to see the dentist for, for Pete's sake because then Donald Duck sounds like me and everyone's happy. And I think that's an important lesson to learn here on Where Are They Now in History? My name's Roy St. John. Wasn't that lovely? See, again, it's very important. It's very good that I wasn't sick when I recorded that because I was able to demonstrate the true voice, the actual voice that you would have heard if if that had come to pass. Okay. You know, you're so full of yourself. I, again, this is another one of those ones where you have certain ones where you're like, and they're all nonsense, but some of them are nonsense about, about nonsense history. And then there's ones about nonsense you and tooting your own horn for no reason. Oh, tooting, tooting my own horn for no reason. Uh, now, my bit is called this day in history, and where are they now in history? Yours is Frank Allen Interviews, starring Frank Allen. Now, which one of us is tooting of a horn? Which one horn tunes? I, well, I'm the host, and it's named after the... It doesn't... Look, the point is, you're... All right, well, you know, here's the thing. No, it doesn't matter. It uh, doesn't matter. My, what I'm saying is, I do mention my name, but you're the one who toots the horn. You're the one who's like, oh, Frank Allen, I'm so important that I'm better than everyone. Well, uh, no, I'm not... That's not the purpose of the thing, well, Frank. I mean, once in a while, it does seem like you do do things just to just to rub it in Rory's face. You're like, I'm better than Rory. Let me prove it. Yeah, but I'm, but he's 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 got a high paying job, and I've got not a high paying job. So aren't I allowed to? You know? Yeah. I mean, you know, I guess that's true. You're not successful. So oh, I wouldn't. Oh, okay. I don't really like where this discussion is going. The point is, look, I, I think I'm a competent guy. I think I do a good job at things. And I think that he's not. You see, again, you're just, you're just doing this just to, just to call me names. All you, your, your whole purpose in this is just to call me names. A number of, of shows, it seems like your larger purpose is to, 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 to denigrate me. And your secondary purpose is to talk about how great you are, in, especially in comparison. And that's your whole your whole deal. That's not my whole deal. And anyway, you, you, you're always talking about how you're better than me. Yeah, well, yes, but first of all, only in defense, because you started it. And second of all, I, I am better. All right, Rory, come on. I mean, I, all right, look, I suppose that's an opinion. But in my opinion, I'm better. And obviously, in the opinion of the, the money-paying people of the world. Rory, settle down. Guys, let's... let's. Wh why do we have to do this? Every episode, it's it's all this one-upsmanship. It's all this, you know, I'm better than you. You're better than me. I'm... Well, nobody ever says that part. But I'm better than you. No, I'm better than you. No, I'm better than you. You know, why... why can't we... We're all doing a podcast together. Can't we all be like, we're all just going to work together to make the podcast the best we can? Yes, I suppose that is a better thing. Yes, yes, it is. Frank, don't you agree? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I want the podcast to be the best it can be. Okay, good. Good. So, um, let's go on to the next section of the show, which is Tractor Fiction. Uh, Actually, which, um, Jordan, is, uh, we might want to... What's up? We might want to do the, the Frank Allen uh, interview now first. Oh, what? Why? We usually do it in a separate section than this day in history. Well, yeah, I know we usually do, but um, this time, what I, I've got a, I've got an interview that's, that's relevant to this day in history. Oh, Really? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's with uh, it's it's following up on the 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 day of this day in history you did about Donald Duck. Rory did kind of a, a continuation of it. Oh, really? Why why did you do that? Uh, you know, I just thought it would be good to do. You did it. You did it as another one up, didn't you? No, no. I was. I just thought again. I, I like you said. I thought it would make the podcast better. Uh, you know, having a more in depth thing. You didn't do it as a one up. No, 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 no. Not a one up. No. All right. Well, that's cool. Hey, wh so who did you get? What did you get? Are you talking to Donald Duck? No, no. Um, better. 
Better. The, the janitor. You'll see. Here we go. Frank Allen Interviews. Starring Frank Allen. Hello, and welcome to this Frank Allen interview. I am Frank Allen, and this is a special interview in which we are following up on something from this day in history. As you heard earlier in the show, This Day in History, uh, there was this whole thing with Donald Duck and stuff. Uh, but more interesting than him was uh, there was a janitor who was very uh, talkative and kind of informative in some ways. Well, I have found this janitor, and uh, I thought, you know, what better way to improve on this day in history than giving it, uh, you know, substantial journalistic information. Uh, so I've got this janitor here, whose name is... This is Harry Wilson, the Toot Janitor. Thank you very much, Mr. Allen, and it's a great honor to be on this program this afternoon. You know, I'd always wondered when I was going to get invited on a program like this to talk about Toot Health and, furthermore, Toot Cleanliness, because, as you're, I'm sure, aware, the former host of... Harry Wilson advises you, uh, in which I could get the word out a great deal. And also, I talk to many people on the street I meet in my everyday life uh, about tooth health and uh, how to improve their teeth. So uh, it's, it's really a great opportunity to be able to do that to you and whoever's listening to the program. So I want to extend my thanks to you and uh, for all of you for brushing your teeth regularly and thoroughly with a toothbrush or an electric toothbrush or any other kind of uh, floss or anything else you might use in your uh, toothbrushing. Okay, okay. Um, now hold on, hold on a sec. You, you said uh, I'm, I would know you from a show. Now, I guess you, you didn't really understand, but uh, I'm from a different uh, world than you are, so I, I'm not as familiar with your history. Uh, let's, let's, let's talk about it a little bit. You Now, you were there for the infamous... Uh, Creation of Donald Duck's voice. That's right. That's one of the most important moments in the history of tooth cleanliness. Uh, when uh, Donald Duck was broadcast to the world, because uh, Donald Duck showed everybody in the world what happens if you don't brush your teeth. Very few people are aware the infrequency with which ducks brush their teeth. In fact, you almost never see it happen. You could go to the pond and watch the ducks for hours upon end and not see one of them holding a toothbrush in their webbed foot. And the reason for this is they care not for tooth cleanliness and Donald Duck showed the world his toothless mouth and uh, the results of this negligence. That's 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 interesting. I no I've never seen a duck with a toothbrush. Um but now okay so you so you as we heard you gave some advice to Mr. Disney. Uh so uh was he was he happy that you had given the advice on, to him on this or what? Yes, he was extremely happy. Uh and he went to take this new character he had created to an advertising executive who immediately ran from the room in horror saying you're Brett it's horrible. Well, I said to him, Mr. Disney, all you need to do is brush your teeth more regularly and your breath will smell as sweet as the morning dew. And so, taking my advice to heart, he brushed his teeth that very evening and the following morning and the following afternoon. And going again into the executive, who exclaimed upon his morning dew odiferous breath, said, Mr. Disney, your idea is sound and... We create international fame for you by showing your cartoon to the cinematic audiences. Interesting, interesting. So, so he had another another tooth problem, and and you helped him out with that. That's right. In fact, I have a theory that uh, at least ninety nine. 
at least, well, at least 100% of people's problems are caused by improper care of their teeth and mouth area generally. Really? Okay, so, I mean, did you solve other problems for him besides those two? Well, uh, of course I did. Uh, unfortunately, he was sometimes loath to take my advice to heart. For instance, Walt Disney frequently expressed to me the desire he had to live forever, and he thought that cryogenic freezing would help him. No, I said, Mr. Disney, all you need to do in order to live forever is brush your teeth regularly, as a large, a large totality of people's problems are caused by this. If your teeth were in perfect condition, so would the rest of your health. And so did, I mean, so, okay, so he didn't want to take that advice? Evidently not, because he said... That's stupid to me. I took that as a sign that he considered this advice unsound. All right, no, so I, I, I'm a guy, I guess I'm a little confused. So, so what happened to this show you had? I can't believe you're not familiar with this program. Uh, do you never watch television or listen to the radio? No, I, I do, uh, but I, I, like I said, a different, uh, it's alternate universe nonsense. You believe in alternate universes? Really? No, but go on. What are you talking about? It's just, I don't want to talk about that. Let's just talk about your show. All right. I mean, I don't believe you're from an alternate universe. There's no such thing as alternate universes. This is just something somebody made up off the top of their head to try to make a quick buck off of somebody else. That's what I think. Well, I'm with you on that, but for now, we just got to play along. All right. It's your show, whatever you say. I mean, if you come out and say there's alternate universes and that's the explanation, even though I don't believe it, I got to go along with it. How did you get a show? Well, after I solved all his problems, he says to me, your advice, it's very useful and solves all my problems. I said, of course it does. That's because I'm such a sage individual. And when he became the vast media mogul that he did, he put me on the air. I said to him, what kind of program do you think I would be best suited for in my mental any uh, entertaining skills, he said advice, we'll give you an advice program, and taking into mind the character of the program to which he had just adumbrated to me, I said perhaps we call it Harry Wilson Advises You, which he considered adequately descriptive, and that was what the show began. Unfortunately, I received some complaints from the less enlightened among my listeners, a very small totality of them, who said that I hopped too much and devoted too much of the time during which I was speaking and indeed, during which other people was supposed to be speaking about talking about teat. For instance, a woman called up who said that her husband had left her and that she was considering suicide. Clearly, the problem was he had left because she did not brush her teeth with sufficient frequency and everything could be solved from there. However, when I gave this advice, she said I was being totally unhelpful. Now, I can't help if the people won't accept what's clearly the path to righteousness. Well, okay, uh, so, you, I mean, so she wanted, she, did she, did she, did she kill herself? Well, I don't know. I mean, that, that sound could have been uh, the, the, the phone hanging up very loud. Very possible. Well, that, then the, then the teeth thing didn't solve its problem. All right, well, I mean, let me ask you this then. Do you brush your teeth regularly? Yes, uh, almost constantly, in fact. Most of my uh, savings have been spent on uh, toothbrushes because of my uh, my complete dedication to brushing my teeth during all times when I'm not speaking or eating. But that but it didn't help solve your problem of getting your show canceled. No. Oddly enough. Well, why is that? 
I know you can't be very sympathetic, Frank Allen, as somebody who has a show is clearly very successful. You probably don't know about how hard it is to try to make it in the show having business. But there are some people who, when they see perfection as far as to maintenance advice giving, don't realize that this is the right way to go. And so they say, even though he's doing everything right, even though in the perfect world, his advice would get you everywhere, they're going to set up roadblocks. These people are like tartar. They build up around you. And if you don't take the time to brush them off, give them the brush off, then they create a hole in what you're trying to build up. It's like a, a hole in the enamel of your show. And eventually, the whole show rots away. Wow. I, I gotta say, I, that feels really enlightening. I, I feel really good about that. that that's, some, that's some really good advice. Well, thank you. I, now, if you need an advising segment uh, on Frank Allen interviews, like uh, Harry Wilson advises you about your teeth after Frank Allen has interviewed, would be a good title. Well, I mean, I, I, mean, I could probably handle it. Just tell people to brush their teeth. Right, but... But could you do it in every situation? It, it sounds pretty easy. Like, for for instance, uh, Frank Allen, um, uh, some robbers just came into my house. They stole uh, my life savings. What's more, I have cancer. What should I do? Brush your teeth. All right, well, that was pretty good. That, that was pretty good. Uh, well, I don't know. Maybe you could handle it. But, but I, 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 there's a lot of things that could come up. Well, listen, I... I, I don't think I need that right now, but I do really want to sincerely thank you. Your advice was good, and I feel empowered by it. This has been a really good interview. Well, I think so, too. I really got the word out about teeth. And remember, everybody, brush your teeth and floss them and go to the dentist regularly as well as the orthodontist. And if you notice somebody else who has tooth problems or indeed problems of any variety, whether they seem to your unenlightened mind to be tooth-related or not, tell them the thing they need to do is brush their teeth. No matter how harshly they may rebuke you and cause you utter failure in life, for your carrying out of this mission. That's all. Thank you. Thank you very much. And thank you, Harry Wilson, for being on my show. And I thank you all for listening. This has been a Frank Allen interview. And I just want to say, that's how you follow something up. In your face, Rory. That's where you tita. That's right. Good night. Okay, that was clearly intended as a one-up. You you did it as a one-up. No, 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 no. I, uh, I don't think that's what I meant. No, I think I meant... Isn't that, I mean, that's what in your, in your face is like, you know, here's some information in your face. I hope, take it in and learn it in your, like, because you see it with your eyes, it goes in your face. Now it's in your head and then you know it. That's not what in your face means. That's not the way people usually use it. Well, what it, no, what it could be. I mean, maybe it is. Not to mention he didn't see it with his eyes. He heard it with his ears. And the ears, I mean, they're kind of tangentially part of your face, but they're not, nobody thinks of their ears as part of their face. It's like, oh, what, describe his face. And you're like, oh, well, he has these ears. I mean, ears are kind of the head shape. Well, no, but I, well, okay, maybe I misused the phrase then. I, I meant it as, here's some information for you to keep and integrate into your life and now know things better than you did before. That's not what you meant. You're a liar. You're a big old liar. I'm not lying. I don't lie about things. Not to mention the whole thing is pointless because I'm not an interviewer. I'm not a journalist. Well, no, but I'm, but I'm, I'm a journalist. Yes, but I'm not. I'm a historian. Historian, journalist. So my point is, you can do as good of a, a segment as you want, and it doesn't show me up. Well, it, I mean, it, it does. I mean, it would. I, I, that wasn't a purpose, but at the same time, I think it kind of did show you up. No, it didn't. It didn't because you did journalism and I did a, a, a historical segment. It's different. Well, okay. 
Yeah, but you, but my segment like had actual information. What happened since then? What 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 what's this janitor been up to? What's been going on in his life? Yours was just oh, you know, there's another world where I'm Donald Duck. I mean, that's that's nonsense. But mine actually had content. Yours was blah, whatever. But, that, but again, I'm not trying to do an interview. I'm trying to do a historical update and a public service announcement. And I did both of this. Oh, all right, fine. But look, but. But you can see that I'm a better journalist than you are historian. Well, that's like comparing apples and oranges. Yeah, but apples are better than oranges. Oranges make better juice. Apples are better food. That we comp- I just compared them. All right, perhaps. But historians do better history. Guys, are, uh, you know, okay. Uh, with the whole thing about no more one-ups, I was just thinking maybe we should try that for a little while. Um, anyway, moving on. We still have two more segments to do, and we're taking up a lot of time with this nonsense. This next thing is called Tract or Fiction. It's an episode called Big Daddy, and it's about evolution. I'm sure a lot of you are wondering about evolution because it's like kind of one of those important issues. Uh, this kind of thing we talk about on Debatatorium and probably will someday. Nudge, nudge. This is uh, Tractor Fiction. Enjoy. Welcome to Tractor Fiction, where we explore the work of Jack Chick on the radio. The tract is called Big Daddy, so uh, let's let's begin. I'm Charlton Heston, and we begin in a college lecture hall where a science professor has just begun a class. How many of you believe in evolution? We do, ma'am. Does anyone disagree? I do, ma'am. You can get out of my class after you've apologized to everyone for your rudeness and ignorance. We might let you back in. On second thought, perhaps I was a bit nasty. I think I will systematically tear your little beliefs to shreds in front of the entire class. Thank you, ma'am. Sit down. What makes you think evolution is untrue? Because the Bible says that one of each Hold time- it, you fanatic! I could have you jailed for that. How dare you even mention the word Bible in school? You know, it's unscientific. If you talk to me, it will only be in scientific terms. Do you understand? Young woman, the evidence is overwhelming. All of the schools teach it. It's accepted everywhere. DNA proves it. Science proves it. Carbon-14 proves it. Facts, facts, facts. Huxley, G. Gaylord, Simpson, Darwin, even National Geographic. And Time Magazine knows it. Ma'am, are there not six basic types of evolution? Yes. Cosmic evolution, chemical evolution, evolution of the stars and planets from gas, organic evolution, macroevolution, and microevolution. Only the last one has been observed and can be called science. The first five are believed by faith. I'm Charlton Esson. He's got a point there. I don't like your attitude. Let's discuss prehistoric man. Here is the first and most famous clue to early man. The Neanderthal skullcap. Modern dating methods show man to be older than Darwin could have imagined. Lucy, the oldest known ancestor of humans, is 2.9 million years old. Only 2.9 million? Richard Leakey found a normal human skull under a layer of rock dated at 212 million years. I'm sorry, ma'am, but most experts now agree that Lucy was only an unusual chimpanzee, not a missing link. Will you sit down? Yes, ma'am. 
Pieced together by fragmentary fossil evidence, science can show the stages of man's long march from ape-like ancestors to sapiens, with wonderful names like Proconsul Australopithecus afarensis to Homo habilis to Homo erectus and on and on to modern man. Ma'am, I have in my possession a similar chart showing some amazing findings which are rarely made public. May I show it? This should be interesting. Yes, let's see it. Science always has the answers. I'll read the chart. Like I said, nearly all experts agree Lucy was just a three-foot-tall chimpanzee. The Heidelberg man was built from the jawbone that was conceded to be quite human. The Nebraska man was scientifically built up from one tooth, later found to be the tooth of an extinct pig. Piltdown man's jawbone turned out to be from a modern ape. Peking man was supposedly 500,000 years old, but all evidence has disappeared. As for Neanderthal man, at the International Congress of Zoology in 1958, Dr. A.J.E. Cave said his examination showed that this famous skeleton found in France over 50 years ago is that of an old man who suffered from arthritis. New Guinea man dates way back to 1970. This species has been found in the region just north of Australia. Cro-Magnon man, one of the earliest and best established fossils, is at least equal in physique and brain capacity to modern man, so what's the difference? And finally, modern man. This genius thinks we gave him a monkey. Professing them to be wise, they became fools. She's killing me. I've got to play it cool. Take a look at this. All of these layers of the earth are millions of years different in age. We can tell the age of these layers from the fossils they contain. But ma'am, how do you date the fossils? That's a good question. We can tell the age of the fossils since we know the age of the layer of the rock where they were found. Uh, ma'am, isn't that circular reasoning? How can you say the layers are different ages? Petrified trees are often found going through many of the layers. Some are even upside down, running through millions of years worth of rock. Well, here's proof of evolution. Human embryos have gill slits, proving man evolved through the fish stage millions of years ago. Ma'am, Ernest Haeckel made up those drawings in 1869, and they were proven wrong in 1874. Those folds of skin are not gills. They grow into bones in the ear and glands in the throat. Wow, wrong for 125 years and still in our book. She's destroying me. Uh, Vestigal organs, like the human tailbone, prove we evolved from animals with tails. Ma'am, there are nine muscles attached to that tailbone. It is not vestigial. Whales have a vestigal pelvis. This proves that they evolved from a land-dwelling creature. I'm sorry, ma'am, but those bones serve as anchor points for the muscles. Without them, whales cannot reproduce. They have nothing to do with walking on land, even if they were vestigial organs. Isn't losing something the opposite of evolution? Ma'am, what's the binding force of an atom? Ha! It's gluons. I think you meant to say gluons, ma'am, and that is wrong! Gluons are a made-up dream! No one has seen or even measured them. They don't exist. It's a desperate theory to explain away the truth. We know the electrons of the atom whirl around the nucleus billions of times every millionth of a second, and the nucleus of the atom consists of particles called neutrons and protons. Neutrons have no electrical charge and are therefore neutral, but protons have positive charges. One law of electricity is, like charges repel each other. Since all the protons and nucleuses are positively charged, they should repel each other and scatter into space. Gluons aren't the answer. What is? Uh, I I don't know. I'm sorry, ma'am. I can't hear you. I said I don't know. You tell me. Ma'am, may I quote from the Bible? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> it says, Christ, the creator, 
is before all things, and by all thing, all things consist, are held together. Also, it says all things were made by him, meaning Christ, and without him was not anything made that was made. Are you saying that he was the creator? Why, yes. He, once again, I mean Christ, was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. Upon hearing this, he collapsed in the sand near the Statue of Liberty and shouted that the professor left the room and marched straight to the head of the college, that damn president of the college! They'll understand why I'm quitting. They're intelligent, logical, compassionate scholars. Everything will be all right. I'll simply tell them I can't teach it any longer. I'm sorry, gentlemen, but I can no longer teach evolution. It can't possibly be true. What? Are you crazy? Get out of our university. After you've apologized to everyone for your rudeness and ignorance, we might let you back in. Back in the classroom where they're teaching five-year-olds gun safety. Then man killed the creator. If Jesus was God in the flesh. Right. Jesus came to earth to shed his blood and die on the cross for you. To wash away your sins so you could have eternal life with him. Then we didn't evolve? The system has been feeding us the big lie. We really do have a soul? What happens if I die without believing this? You will die in your sins and be eternally lost. <gasps> what, what should we do to get to heaven? Repent of your sins. Surrender your life to Christ. Acknowledge that he died for your sins and receive him as your savior. Then you will go to heaven when you die. Damn you, evolution! What is the deal with evolution? All right. Uh, thank you, everyone. That was great. That was Tractor Fiction, uh, Big Daddy. Well, now we do need to do the uh, the traditional tract or fiction debate. Who is debating today? Uh, sir, may will you introduce yourself to the uh, audience? Hello, my name is Dr. Zayas. I'm the head of science. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Okay, Dr. Dr. Zayas, the head of science. Uh, and you, ma'am? My name is, is Ivy Newt. Ivy Newt. And, yes, uh, I collect salamanders. They're uh, amazing. A salamander collector. Okay, now here's where we find out uh, which one of them is pro-evolution and which one of them is foe of evolution. <laughs> <laughs> Very clever. <laughs> All right. According to this, Dr. Zayas, you say that this tract is 100% true and that evolution doesn't exist. And you, Salamander Collector, say that uh, evolution is real. Well, of uh, so you get to go first, Miss uh, Newt. Of course, there's evolution. You can look at salamanders. If you look at the salamanders, you can see how they have evolved from fungus. <laughs> That's very interesting, talking human. Unfortunately, everyone knows that such a pitiful, foolish species as humans could never possibly evolve from apes. Apes are perfect. That's a, that's a persuasive argument. You're saying humans then are less perfect than apes. Precisely. You're very smart. But that... <laughs> God individually made humans separate from apes. Yes, in so we'd have something image, to ride and shoot at. In the image of God. Don't be silly. You think apes are in the image of God? Yes. I think salamanders are in the image of God. Well, then you're crazy, <gasps> aren't you? And a little weird. I believe in God. I didn't say that. I just believe in evolution. The salamanders prove there's evolution. All right, I, I, have, a, I have a question about this. Um, let's see, this tract here. Uh, Dr. Zayas. Yes. Uh, Other talking human. Uh, yeah. 
here's what I have to say. In this tract that you support, the student, so to speak, the student, uh, does this thing where he talks about gluons. <laughs> yes. And he says it's foolish to believe in gluons because nobody's ever seen or observed them scientifically speaking. But by that logic, wouldn't it be foolish to believe in God since no one has ever seen him and measured him scientifically speaking? That would probably be true. So then you think that it's foolish to believe in God? No. Okay, so then you believe it's not foolish to believe in God. Precisely. So It is foolish to believe in gluons, because gluons are not in the form of the ape. So you only believe in ape-shaped things. <laughs> exactly. What about humans? Or salamanders. Humans are bad at being ape-shaped. <laughs> salamanders, even worse. Alright, do you have anything to add, Miss Newt, to that uh, argument there? There was an argument there? That's, a, that's an interesting question. Uh, speaking of, of arguments, though, I do have someone who could tell us whether there was an argument and possibly clear it up. Um, I believe we have an expert on anthropology. What is your name, ma'am? My name is Mrs. John Relithford. Mrs. John Relithford here is, as I said, a professor of what type of anthropology? Uh, biological anthropology. Bi uh, whatever. Biological, whatever that means. Um <laughs> Yes. All right. Well, ahead. just in reference to the chart that the student proposed in the tract, some of their facts are in fact true, but omitting other very important facts, such as the saying, fact that apes are superior to humans. Of course. Well, thank goodness a voice of reason is finally on this show. Well, in the sense that they said that, um, where is it? <laughs> that uh, the Neanderthal actually is just a fifty-year-old man with arthritis. That is actually. Factual, except that it is a Neanderthal 50-year-old man with arthritis, not a modern human. They had an over-exaggerated brow ridge as well as no chin. Furthermore... Uh, my, my, actually, I have a question about that chart. It says that Lucy was merely a an odd uh, uh, chimpanzee, but... It would seem that it had some splaining to do. But wouldn't... Uh, wouldn't uh, that um, is false. Wouldn't a mutated chimpanzee be kind of like an evolved chimpanzee? I would say so, because in fact, although Lucy did very much physically represent an ape, the important structural difference that leads her on the path towards human evolution and is away her from perfection. Structure. Her hip structure shows that she is in fact a biped, which is the thing that evolved first in our human line. Alright, now we've never done this before, but I think given the heatedness of this debate, we should have closing arguments. Uh, Miss Newt, can you have a closing argument for us? I believe in evolution because salamanders, if you look at at the front hands of salamanders, they contain all the same bones as the hands of humans, just arranged differently. And thus, by studying salamanders, you can know that evolution is true. Okay, thank you very much. And you, sir, uh, Dr. I mean, sorry, Dr. Dr. Zayas. Salamanders aren't apes. Neither are humans. Mm, mm, that's, Dr. Zayas, that, Dr. Zayas. that's pretty deep. All right, let's Dr. find out who won. Uh, I think it's pretty important that we call... Oh, I'm sorry! Evolution exists. So, uh... <laughs> so you were wrong, Dr. Zayas, uh, and uh, change your textbooks. Evolution's real. Damn you! Damn you to hell! If you want to order my book, The Way of the Salamander, just call... Silence, human! <laughs> Who stole my line?! <laughs> I deserve that Oscar, not you! Alright. <laughs> He's back! No! And as Charlton Heston takes over the studio, we will leave. That episode of Tractor Fiction featured the voice talents of Frank Allen, 
Guinevere Eckert, Scott Finbo, Lynn Nelson, Nicholas Roach, Daniel Schwartz, Kate Slotwinski, Angela Tyman, Devin White, and Jordan D. White. Thank you, Rory. Um, now, we've already done all of our intermissionary, intermissionary segments, the, the This Day in History and the Frank Allen interview. So nothing to stop us from just moving along right to the next episode of a show, right? Oh, uh, no, not, not really. Let's go. All right, good, good. Let's do, uh, this is Like Mother, episode 104. Last time on Like Mother, what you saw, or saw in your mind's eye as you heard it, was that uh, there's a girl named Pandora Darling. She found out that her mother has been killing people. She's not exactly sure if her mother is crazy or if her mother has a valid reason for killing people. It seems to look a little bit more like she's crazy because she's involved in all sorts of conspiracy stuff. She's talking about conspiracy theories and secret codes in newspapers. You never know. I guess, but she's acting pretty nutty. In the last episode, the mother, whose name is Hope, by the way, said that one of their teachers, Pandora's former teachers was involved, a social studies teacher, invited her to the house and ended up in a, in a, in a fight with her. And Pandora was forced kind of to kill the teacher. So now she's killed someone for the very first time ever. Not a pleasant situation, despite what Scape told you last time this show aired. So we now continue with Like Mother. Episode 4, Cleaning Up, by Guinevere Eckert. Pandora Darling was a young girl, active in the community. She played tennis at the park and spent most of her weekends among her fellow Carousel New York residents at the shopping mall. Every engagement was carefully written down in a fuzzy pink weekly planner, just so she knew that she was not double-booking her time. Wednesday afternoons, were supposed to be spent surfing the internet and chatting with Tabby about anything exciting that had happened since lunch. What was not supposed to happen on Wednesday afternoons was Pandora coming home to find her former social studies teacher fighting her mother on the kitchen floor. What was supposed to happen even less than that was that Pandora would subsequently shoot said former social studies teacher three times in the chest. (laughs) Oh God, Mother, what have I done? What did you make me do? You did fine, darling. That was some excellent shooting. Now come over here. I want you to do the digging this time. What? No, really. It took me at least three years to be able to shoot with that degree of accuracy. I suppose it's all that tennis you play. Now if you'll just come That's over. not what I meant, Mom. Oh, God, you really are crazy. I mean, so it's one thing to slice a guy's throat and then hide the body in the basement, but when your daughter kills a guy, that's a whole other story. Now it's not just you that's insane and going to prison for the rest of your life. You've dragged your Pandora, daughter. Pandora, darling, be quiet. I do feel different, dear. I feel very proud of you following so excellently in my footsteps. However, you need to not panic. Remember what I told you about panicking? It wastes the air. But I'm not in a box, Mom! No, you're not. But you can still work yourself into a state of hysteria, and your lungs will fail you anyway. However, the answer I was looking for was that I don't deal well with panic. 
Now, we made a huge mess here, and I'd really appreciate if I could have some help cleaning up this time. But I don't- And, since this is your first kill, I think that you should be the one to do the honors of finding the cask implant. Me? Yes, you, dear. Who else? I've spent the past eight years up to my elbows and intestines for you. Besides, you'll probably need a few practice rounds before you can get through it without throwing up. Mrs. Darling dragged the protesting Pandora across the kitchen and handed her a knife. After watching her daughter stare at the kitchen implement for a minute or so, Hope sighed and sliced Miss Stetson's abdomen open herself. Then she lay down the knife, took a flashlight out of a drawer, and directed Pandora's hand into the stomach of her former teacher. Ugh, I can't believe I'm doing this. Pandy, wake up. Please, wake- Oh, Pandora, hush. You'll never find that chip if you aren't concentrating. Now you're looking for a small metal piece, flat and rectangular. Mom! There is no chip! There is no cask! This is crazy! You are crazy! Says the one digging in a dead woman's guts. You can't keep this up, Mom! Somebody is going to start looking for these people! You can't just- Pandy stopped yelling, clearly confused. She wiggled her fingers. She felt something small, flat, rectangular in shape, and smooth. Her eyes widened and she opened her mouth to speak, but was drowned out by the doorbell. Pandora screamed in surprise and yanked her hand out of the dead woman. Pandy, no, you had the chip. Now we have to start all over again. Pandora cowered in the corner, muttering about detectives and how Orange clashed horribly with her hair. Hope Darling gave an exasperated sigh and plunged her own hand into the corpse as the doorbell rang a second time. She fiddled around in between the small and large intestines for a moment and withdrew her hand, a triumphant look on her face. Sadly, that triumph was not long-lived. <sighs> Just a fragment of one of her vertebrae. I really do wish you hadn't pulled your hand away so quickly, Potato. I was hoping that this wouldn't take all afternoon. Especially as it seems we have company. Quick, help me drag her behind the table. Pandy rose to help her mother, and the door creaked open. Bobby Kurtzman stood in the doorway. Hi, Mrs. Darling. I hope I'm not interrupting anything. I rang the doorbell, but nobody answered, and I heard people talking, so I just... Bobby opened the door the rest of the way while he was talking, only to catch sight of the blood covering both Mrs. Darling and Pandora, while still somehow missing the dead body on the kitchen floor. Oh my gosh, Pandy, are you okay? Is that blood you've got on you? Mrs. Darling marched over to the door and dragged Bobby inside. Pandora, please join your friend on the sofa. Really, if I'm intruding, I can come back another time. Mom, what are you going to do? What do you mean, what is she going to do? Is she... Bobby glanced into the kitchen on his way to the sofa and finally saw the body of Miss Stetson surrounded by a congealing mess of blood and innards. Oh, God, Pandy! There's a body and the blood! Are, are you... Are we going to die? Why do I feel like we just had this conversation? What? What are you talking about? Oh, God, I didn't come here to die. Pandora, would you kindly make it stop squalling so that I can deal with this mess? Which mess, Mom? The dead woman in the kitchen or the fact that Bobby has a wonderful habit of arriving at precisely the wrong time? <sighs> we can do this, Pandora. We're sensible, grown women. We just have to take things one at a time and nobody will be the wiser. We just need to stick to our guns. Now, first things Did first. Did you just say stick to our guns? We need to find that chip and get the blood up before it stains. I don't know how much lie I've got left. I really wasn't expecting this to happen again. Tabby said that earlier, and it reminded me of something. I, I can't remember, though. What was... Oh, my God! Does he ever shut up, Pandora? You! And you had a gun! And Penny was covered in blood, and you hit me! Oh, my God, I'm gonna die! I don't want to die! Please, crazy lady, don't kill me! I... 
Pandora. I'll get the stuff to erase his memory. You will do no such thing, Pandora, darling. Don't you read the footnotes? A double dose of that stuff in the quantities we'd need to administer in such a short space of time can cause permanent brain damage, especially as it seems that the last dose wasn't quite large enough. Anyway, we need to take care of the Stetson and Riley business first. There's some rope under the easy chair. Do be a dear and tie the boy up so that he can't do anything irrational if he comes to... Hope Darling turned to head into the kitchen, wondering out loud how Pandora could have ended up with such a dim-witted boy. Instead of fetching the rope from beneath the easy chair, Pandora grabbed the handgun that she found next to it. She stood up and pointed the gun at her mother. He's not my boyfriend, Mom. Mrs. Darling smiled and turned around. Put the gun down, Potato. Mom, I've had enough of your crap. This ends right now. Potato, listen to your mother. Put the gun down. No, Mom, it's over. I can't deal with this anymore. We're going to the police. Why, Pandy? So you can be arrested right along with me? I'm not the only person in this room responsible for the death of another. You've ruined everything, Mother. I just killed a woman. Now I'll never get a date to homecoming. Dear, I really don't see what one thing has to do with the other. Actually, Pandy, I was... If you finish that sentence, I swear... I'm sorry, I, I wasn't going to say anything. I didn't mean it. I... Shut up! Pandora turned her head to glare at Bobby. Her mother took that moment to dive at her daughter. Unfortunately for her, Pandora turned back just in time to see her mother lunging at her and fired the gun just before her mother's flying body knocked her to the ground. Ah! Pandora groaned and tried to rub her throbbing head. However, the fact that her hands were tied made it difficult, as did the fact that she found out by rather painfully scraping her hands that the darkness that was staring at her ended about an inch above her nose. The worst part of the situation became clear when Pandora tried shifting her body in order to ascertain the rest of this box's dimensions, and her hip bumped something that was soft, warm, and smelled like a boy. Pandora, what did I tell you about panicking? Mom? Wait! Really, Pandora, did you actually think for a second that I wasn't wearing body armor? I know this is all relatively new to you, but be sensible. Oh, Mom, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Oh, baby, hush. I'm still here. I love you. I know you didn't mean it, but you still did it. I wasn't going to bring this box out for a few months yet, but I figure it will work as a suitable punishment. Good luck, honey. I'll see you at dinner. Pandora opened her mouth to yell for her mother, but knowing better, shut it again. She closed her eyes, took a deep breath, and began to assess her situation. Pandy? Shut up, Bobby. Pandy, I'm scared. Bobby, shut! I'm sorry, just please be quiet. I need to think. Where are we? In a box. Oh. Why? What's going on? How do we get out? What part of I need to think did you miss? Please, if you aren't telling me a way to get out of here, shush! Can you move your hands at all? Um, no. They're tied. Great, mine are too, and I can't get to my lockpicks. Gee, that's too bad. Wait, lockpicks? This is kind of a daily occurrence. One can never be too prepared. Right. So, um, you don't have your lockpicks? No, I have them. I just can't get to them. Are you listening? Sorry. Well, where are they? Right in my back pocket. But with my hands tied in such a low ceiling, I can't reach them by myself. Pandora was silent for a few moments. Bobby fidgeted next to her while she debated which could be worse, suffocating in a box next to Bobby Kurtzman or having Bobby Kurtzman fishing around in... Bobby, I need you to get the lockpicks out of my pocket. Um, what was that? I need you to get the lockpicks out of my pocket. Oh, okay. Don't you dare sound happy about it. I 
Sorry. Bobby shifted so that he could reach into the back pocket of Pandora's jeans. The other pocket, Bobby. Oops. <laughs> Bobby retrieved the lockpicks and passed them off to Pandora, who had been knocking about the box, trying to find the lock. Unfortunately, it was to no avail. Bobby, I need you to feel the edges of the box and find a lock. A lock? Why would a box be locked from the inside? You'd have thought I would have asked that when I brought up the lockpicks. Uh- Pandy, who are you talking to? I'm talking to God. Now get to work. Oh, I think I found something. Right by my ear. Excellent. Now, wait. Crap. How do we do this? If you two keep yapping like that, you'll be out of air within the next ten minutes. Bobby, you have to do it. What? Me? Don't be silly, Pandy. I don't know how to pick locks. I think that's the point. What? No, stop talking. She's right. We're going to run out of air, so shut up and do exactly what I tell you. Here, take one of these. Pandora handed one of the lock picks back to Bobby and proceeded to walk him through picking the lock. Three dropped pins and 13 minutes later, Bobby and Pandora breathed the fresh air of the Darling dining room. They climbed out of the box to see Mrs. Darling sitting at the dinner table, sipping tea with a young blonde woman. Mother, please tell me you're not going Annette, to- Annette, this is my daughter Pandora, the one I showed you all the pictures of. Pandy, this is Annette. She's one of the stewardesses that I work with. You and Bobby may help yourself to some ravioli. It's in a bowl on the stove. Pandy and Bobby stumbled uneasily into the sparkling clean and blood-free kitchen. They helped themselves to some food and returned to the dining room. I can't believe they never caught on to you. I count my blessings every day. So many others have lost so much in that situation. What you talking about? Oh, nothing important. Just the horrors of stewardessing. More tea? Yes, thank you. Hope excused herself to the kitchen. Pandora took the opportunity to try to get some information out of Annette. So, Annette, you work with my mom? Oh, yes, for years. To be honest, Pandy, I'm surprised it took us this long to meet. But you know how it is. Unless you're really lucky, you never know when you'll be shipping out to where. I regret to say that it's been about mm, three years since I worked with your mother on a continual basis. How did you guys meet? Dallas. It must have been about six years ago. They were in hot pursuit, but thanks to your mother, I was able to make a clean getaway with barely a scratch. Mrs. Darling, may I have some milk? Who was in hot pursuit? What happened? What happened to whom? What was that, Bobby dear? Pandy shot Bobby a look while he repeated his request. I was just telling Pandy about how we met. Oh, dear me, I'd almost forgotten about that. I can't believe you got out of that one. That was close. What was close? Who exactly is Annette? How will the darlings explain their situation to Bobby Kurtzman? Will Pandy ever get a date to homecoming? Find out the answers to these and other questions in next week's episode of Like Mother, Me in the Corner. In that episode of Like Mother... Charles Berman was the narrator, Guinevere Eckert was Pandora Darling, Lynn Nelson was Hope Darling, Jordan D. White was Bobby Kurtzman, and Tong Wen Wong was Annette. The theme song was by Jordan D. White. Thank you very much, Rory. Um, because we're sick, we'll probably, I think we should probably draw it to a close, don't you think? Yeah, it's probably for the best. I do I have to work in the morning. Yeah, so let's, you know, I mean, Scape is sleeping it off, and that's probably the best thing to do, you know, get lots of rest. What do they always say? Drink lots of fluids, stuff like that, right? Chicken chicken noodle soup, things like that. That is what they say, yes. Uh, on certain worlds, chicken noodle soup is, is actually poisonous to people. But on this world, it does seem fairly beneficial. Good. That's helpful in some way. No, it's not. Okay, moving on. So hopefully we won't be sick next week. Hopefully we'll get better between now and then, not worse. Yeah, that's a good hope. Thank you for that.
What is there? Are you trying to jinx us? No, no, no. I just, uh, I, okay. I, sorry. <laughs> let's, let's all get, get better. Uh, you'll, you'll be hearing any moment now in the background. Pretty poetry. It's waxwork theme P. It was written, you'll notice some of these theme songs don't exactly fit with what is going on on waxwork.com now because now it's basically just me and my projects at the time when i wrote this there were lots of other people involved in waxwork.com I, I was hosting other people's work as well so this one was actually written from the point of view of some crazy stalker person who was reading my wife's poetry and i guess didn't realize she was married or didn't care it's actually me though of course, as you can tell enjoy and also you'll be able to download this on waxwork.com and also a version where you can hear it with my regular voice a non-slowed down version excitement and adventure talk to you all soon next week will be better. Be seeing it. next episode of Cast in Wax. On guard duty, Mr. Fahrenheit and Ocean Man discuss criminals. At least with most of our villains, we know what they want, you know. Creationist wants to prove the existence of God scientifically. The Sysops wants to control the world by controlling all technology. Lady Luna wants to be recognized as Queen of the Moon for some reason. On Decker and Hayes, the ladies try to come to terms with trusting one another. I, I didn't mean to, Macy. She was coming on to me. Yeah, and you put up such a fight, I'm sure. You've got to believe me. She was... She was trying to kill you, you stupid bitch! You were too busy sucking face to notice the knife in her hand. And on Epic Echoes, Wanton Gropery. What in the world goes on in this house? You are no relative of man. Get it! Get out! My poor chastity! You dirty, naughty boy! All this plus the stay in history and more Frank Allen interviews on Cast and Wax coming June 16th to waxwork.com.